Buenos días, familia y amigos de Watermark. How are we doing? Praise God. Good morning, Watermark family. It is, okay, keep it down. Don't get overboard. Hey, it is an honor for me to be here. My name is Oscar Castillo. If we haven't had the chance to meet, uh, I'd love to go out to lunch with you one of these days. Just don't take me to Chipotle, okay? Just remember that from last week. Uh, for those of you who are like, what? What's he talking about? Just reference next week. Uh, uh, last week, sorry. But listen, it is uh, truly an honor to be here. And on behalf of Watermark and Espanol and that team who is getting after it to being and making disciples of Spanish speakers here in Dallas, in our country, and all over the world, especially into Latin America, we'd like to tell you muchas gracias por darnos, crear un espacio por nosotros. Thank you, family, for making room for us. And let me tell you, because of your faithfulness to God and your support and prayers, uh, we are now at a point where we're offering our Spanish-speaking service in Spanish every week, every Sunday, in the loft at 11.15. And actually, yes, praise God. And actually, uh, some of those Spanish speakers are here today. And so just give me a moment. I'm going to address them real quick. Hermanos, si ustedes están aquí, vayan a watermarkinterpretation.org. Ahí pueden agarrar la interpretación del mensaje. Okay? Um, so for, I, what I just said is, hey, if you want the interpretation, go to watermarkinterpretation.org. All right? And so just super thankful for what God is doing with Watermark in Español. We're now offering uh, Equip Disciple, Re-Engage, a Summit, Women's Bible Study. We're offering community groups completely in Spanish. And we, God willing, soon will offer also regeneration. Amen? Yes. Hey, well... Listen, uh, we arrive at the end of our Uncompromised series, and the last few weeks have been some topics that have been uh, very obviously controversial in our culture. Um, and many have, I mean, we're going to say this, by the way, I'll just say this. I'm thinking in two languages that I'm speaking to you, okay? So, so bear with me, give me grace, okay? Um, so one of the things that we've seen is that culture uses um, these topics to divide us. But when we go to God's word, they're actually opportunities to unite. They're opportunities to be on mission. And when we kind of lose our perspective and don't inform our hearts and our minds with God's word, we, let, we get into and we fall prey to the schemes of the enemy. You see, we can inform our perspective uh, through the news and the headlines. I'll just, I picked out four here for you to see, and we won't dive into them, but those are the recent ones. And if you read some of those headlines, many times they're angled. They're not seeking unity. They're looking to flare up our, our, you know, kind of our emotions and the way we react, and then they pinned us against each other, many times with people we, don't, we have never met. But one of the things as believers we need to learn is instead of falling prey to the news headlines that we fall into the arms of Jesus and give in to his good news. Because I'm telling you, the gospel of Christ is what will unite us. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ is what is going to unite the church and equip us to move forward. 
So may we rise above the noise and learn more about our king's polity and that we inform ourselves of what he would desire for us to do in this moment in history, and especially in the uh, history of our church as we move forward and we look and see, God, what would you want us to do in our city that has so many people from all over the world moving here? May we tune in to what God has to say. Now, immigration, when you hear that word immigration, which is the topic we're going to address today, is when you hear that word, for me, it's very personal because it's part of my story. You see, I grew up in the small, tiny Central American country of El Salvador. And I remember uh, growing up there in the 1980s. Actually, my parents are right here and my lovely wife. And I remember growing up there in the 1980s, and we immigrated here when I was seven years old. I remember having to hunker down and kind of shelter in place because we could hear the bullets hitting the other side of the concrete wall outside of our house. I remember looking outside my, my home window and seeing helicopters just nosedive and spray the insurgency because they were trying to take over the country. I remember having to go to the grocery store, kind of taking shelter in the bottom part of the seats so we wouldn't be shot at and had a pole, very long pole with a white flag outside so we wouldn't be mistaken as the gorilla. And you see, that moment in history in our country actually displaced so many Salvadorians and many uh, Central American countries nearby. Uh, countries from uh, all over the world opened up their doors like France and Great Britain and Germany and the United States were open and hospitable and said, come here and take refuge. And so because there were so many people being displaced, the church planning network that my dad was a part of, because he was a local church pastor in El Salvador, began to think, how can we start to church plant in those host countries? And so dad felt called by God to come to the United States and plant a church, which eventually was started in West Dallas, where I grew up. And you see, if it wasn't for God's divine providence, I wouldn't be standing in front of you today. It's been God's plan all around to be at this moment in front of you, to share with you that God is the one who moves people and sometimes we don't understand. And I don't many times understand why is it that I've been so blessed to be here and to be in front of you and to share what he has. But I can tell you this, when we understand that God is on the move, we'll realize that, hey, it could be that God is ushering in a new way, which is his way, God's kingdom way that he wants us to be a part of. And so today, if there's one thing I want you to walk away with, a verse that I use a lot to, whenever we come on to this topic of immigration, is Micah 6, 8. And this verse says, he has told you, O oh man, what is good. Because church, we know what is good. God is good. His provision of Jesus is good. The power of the Holy Spirit in us is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice? Why? Because God is justice. And to love kindness. Why? Because God is kind. And to walk humbly with your God. Because we know that through Jesus, we see a model of humility. So this morning, I want us to spend, to, to look at five biblical principles that kind of are in the realm of immigration. Now, what I, what I need you to understand, and this is where like, I want you to draw in familia. Whenever we only think of protecting our borders, or only loving uh, you know, the immigrant, and we kind of put pin them against each other, 
we're selling ourselves short to what maybe God is doing all over the world. Because those are, those are only just two facets of the entire conversation when it comes to immigration. And actually, to be honest with you, I've had to rewrite my sermon like about eight times. I lost count because there's so much to cover in this topic. And so if I leave any point out, I want you to know it's not because we're not interested, but rather for time's sake, we're trying to focus in and equip us to start to have the conversations. Let this not be just a, you know, we're end all be all, but rather a beginning of a conversation where we start to learn that, hey, yes, we are a country with borders and we need to be a country with borders. And we also are a country that is informed by Judeo-Christian ethics where we can love the immigrant. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I want to speak to you about these five biblical principles. And so to give you kind of a roadmap where we're going, the first two points will address God's heart and kingdom. And the third one, we'll talk about what is the church's role in all of this. Like understanding that we are part of a kingdom, then we'll talk about the role of government and what God has asked the government, how he designed the government to kind of oversee the movement of people and how God uses government. So with that said, I just want to say I believe this is an opportunity for the church to thrive. For the church to not be informed by other stories other than God's story. And if we do that, I believe this could be our finest hour. So much in our country, but also for our church. Given the context that we're in and the blessing of being in this international city. Amen? So here's the first one. As Christians, we are citizens of an eternal kingdom. And pilgrims in a temporary nation. Philippians 3.20 says, but our citizenship is in heaven. From it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I start there as the starting point because when we, when we understand what's going on around us, and not only on this topic of immigration, but also all the topics that we addressed in the previous weeks, it's all about identity. It's all about who is the one that is determining and giving us identity. Who is the one that validates us? And we know as followers of Jesus and those who have accepted God's provision through Jesus Christ, we know that God is king and through him we can really understand and learn and experience peace and joy and kindness, which is what we're all after. Everyone all over the world is desiring these things that can only come from God himself. You see, our citizenship is obtained by accepting this provision in Jesus Christ. And so if you're new today or if this, you're probably exploring the faith, I want to tell you it is through Jesus that you can have access to this benevolent king. It is through Jesus that you can have the, the peace that you're yearning for. And it's that peace that is not just found in riches or temporal things of this world, but rather found in the big truths and transcendent truths that are established and revealed to us through who God is in his heart. You see, this kingdom that we're a part of is one that is very upside down if we use our culture as the reference point. But when we understand the kingdom of God, we realize that those who are more powerful are the ones who are more humble. The ones who are more loved are not the ones who have done more things, but rather more of the ones who recognize that they are loved even more. 
You see, in God's kingdom, he takes the marginalized, he takes the poor, he takes the immigrant, he takes all those that perhaps are outcasted and he gives them a seat at the table. You see, it's through Jesus that we see the model of a servant leader and through him we understand that there is a way for us to experience not only him today but also to see brokenness leave our life because of who he is, not because of who we are. The best citizens are those that are submitted to God's law, will and way. Now I say that because as we walk in this earth where we have different countries and countries with borders and governments that are established, the kingdom of God has no borders and goes in and can be established in each of one of those, but it doesn't negate those governments, but rather gives them a way to better legislate, to better lead. It is through God's kingdom that we use as a reference point. And that's why it's important that when we engage in this topic of immigration, that we start there. Who are we? Who does God say we are? And from there, start to move forward in understanding our surroundings. You see, beyond our family's heritage, we need to know our biblical heritage. We know that Abraham, God used him and commanded him to leave his place of origin. Joseph, he was a victim of human trafficking. Moses, 400 years later after Joseph, would eventually lead the people of Israel becoming a caravan of migrants and refugees in the desert led by God himself. Ruth would marry a foreigner in her own land. Her husband died and Ruth traveled to the land of, uh, of her husband's family to seek family unity just as many migrants do today. Ruth would become part of the lineage of Jesus. You see, there's so many people, and through God's story, we see that he moves them, but they knew who they were a part of and who they were after. Hebrews 11, I love it, it's a great verse. Hebrews 11, verse 13 through 16, really shows us, in in essence, it's a compass for all of us as we journey through life, who, where, where is true north? And it's God's heart, God's kingdom ways. Look what it says In verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. And this is really important. So because they are that way and because they know who they are in this experience of life, look at what it says there. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. As those who are of the kingdom, we are on a journey. We are part of God's caravan. And family, we're not home yet. We're not home yet. And when we know that, listen, all the temporal things of this world have no value than what God can give to us. And that is important for us to know as part of our identity as the church of God that we move forward with that being our, what distinguishes us and what describes us. My point number two is this. God's heart towards the immigrant is to love, care, and defend them. You see that God is like a ferocious lion. He's that lion of Judah 
who doesn't like to see the marginalized be oppressed or taken advantage of, but rather because of his kingdom values, he runs after those who are in the shadows and gives them and brings them in and says, you are part of my family. You are loved. You are wanted in our family. Deuteronomy 10, verse 18 through 19 says, he executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You see, God chose to have a people on the move as part of his love story to reach the world. The church should be on the move, led by his heart and empowered by the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus goes on to tell his followers, listen, I was one that was naked. This is what it says in Matthew 25, verses 42 through 45. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Who are the least of these among us today? And that is a question that we must ask the Lord to guide us. Who are those in our community that are being left in the shadows and being marginalized? Because church, it's very easy to create a defense for those whenever we feel canceled, but it's very easy to justify that by also canceling others. We need to not be those who are receive of God's mercy and receive identity from him and not cancel others. Because when we walk in the spirit, we will see all people made in the image of God. Amen? As Christians, we are citizens of an eternal kingdom. That was my first point. Second point, God's heart towards the immigrant is to love, care, and defend. Here's my third point. So church, we must also love. And that comes from Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. Meaning, it is part of God's story that we are to love the sojourner, the stranger, the, the marginalized, the weaker person, weaker people. And we are to be those who have justice. And, and let, me, let me say, like, clarify that. When I, said, when I said weaker people, I'm not trying to diminish anybody by placing classes because that's what sin does in our hearts. You see, there are people who don't have positions of, of privilege. There are people who don't have access to certain things. That was, that's what's happening also in my birth country as well. You see this struggle between those who have access to greater things and those who are continually being oppressed. And so as followers of Jesus, we have an opportunity to step into those gaps and be those who say, no, no more unjust, but be the God who is justice. We are the ones to kind of display that and manifest that in our communities. You know, one of the things that we have constantly prayed for as a church is, God, would you help us reach the 1040 window? And God has answered that. 
God has answered that by bringing international students. How many international students are in here today? Look at this. Many international students that are here. We have people from all over the world moving to Dallas to make this place their home. And I believe God has answered those prayers for us. And may we answer the call to be the church, to be the institution, the embassy of God's kingdom on this earth. Now, what is the role of government? And I think this is important because God ordains governments. So my fourth point is this. The laws of government are important and must be applied in an impartial manner. You see, the role of government is different from our responsibility as a church. The government has the authority to punish those who do wrong and to praise those who do what is right. And we are all subject to that authority. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 14 says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. God uses governments to maintain order. God uses governments to establish laws. And it's good. Law is good. Law, actually, in, in essence, in, in, at its heart, it's a loving thing. You imagine a country with no laws is a country that's chaotic. It's a country that's disorganized. It's a country where it is, um, you know, it's a free-for-all and everybody gets to do whatever is right. Does that kind of ring a bell in a part of a story? Right, where people did whatever was right in their own eyes. But God establishes uh, governments and gives them an opportunity to establish his law on this earth. And so as believers, we have an opportunity, especially here in our beloved country of America. It is a very unique experience that we're in. That we get to vote. That we get to you know, kind of legislate and, and, and hold our uh, the people that we vote, uh, vote in accountable, our elected officials, we can call them and say, hey, that's not what we want you to do. And so as followers of Jesus, we have a unique opportunity where we're here in this country to be able to be used all over the world to show that God's law leads to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. You see, that comes from a Judeo-Christian ethic. Where in the world, where do you see in, in the Bible, and especially as you, as you think about our Declaration of Independence, it says, now we hold these truths to be self-evident. What? That all men are created equal. That comes from Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. And so what an opportunity we have today as the church in this context at this time for such a time as this to Put into laws those laws that mirror our God's laws, his kingdom. You see, the same laws should apply to everyone within a country's borders. Citizens, naturalized, those unauthorized, and all immigrants, as it is stated in Exodus 12, 49. Because here's the truth. We should not let everyone in. That, and, and I have these conversations with, with friends that are also in that predicament where they're here and they're having to wrestle with, hey, I would love to gain leg, uh, be legal here in the country, but I feel kind of, uh, you know, with my back against the wall. And I tell them, hey, listen, there is a way in which we can honor God and also honor our government and fulfill that which we see in 1 Peter chapter 2. And so the same laws, and I said that, and I want to repeat it because... 
all laws and people coming from all over the world, especially with uh, a lot of displacements, most of the time the thought can be, hey, I get to come to this country and get to do whatever I get to do in my birth country. No, that's why there is laws. And that's why, church, we should inform our polity, our politicians, our laws to mirror God's laws. So then all can be given an, a just opportunity to go and, 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 and gain legal status here. And so we can't, st- here's the other thing. So we shouldn't let everybody in, but we can't stop letting people in as well. And that's a, that's a tension to, to kind of grab both of those sides. Wait, so we got to stop certain people from coming and then some people come in. Yes, because in a sense, we need to not have those people that hurt our country come into our country. Like that is not, that is not loving to anybody, especially those who have established, who have lived here for a long time. We must be a country that is, that has laws. And so, and I would also add, a country without borders is no longer a country. You see, it would lead to chaos and social disorder. You know, I'm reminded of that, that poem. How many of you know the New Colossus? Have you ever heard of that before? The New Colossus is the poem that's etched at the bottom of the Statue of Liberty. And it says, keep ancient lands, your storied palm, Christ, she with silent lips, Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. You see, from the beginning in the genesis of our country, it has been the experience of immigrants to come and to make this what it is now. And I believe it's the Judeo-Christian ethic that undergirded it that has led it to be where it is now. And it's up to us as the church to step in and to continue that and not be silent. And that's why this this, uh, topic in this series is very important for us not to compromise on God's truth, but to rather stand firm on his ways. Because our country needs it, but even more, our families need it. And God's God can use our country to establish his kingdom all around the world. And I'm not saying that America is the hope of the world. Hear me say that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is God's heart, God's kingdom is what is the hope of the world. Jesus is the hope of the world. And when we make that a part of our DNA, that's where we can see um, prosperity. We can see a country flourish to where it can be whenever it's informed by God's polity. So God cares for immigrants and our country was founded by this guiding principle. Everyone within our country's borders should live under our laws and not laws of other countries of origins. Once you're here, we must submit to our laws and God-given opportunity. Now, you may be asking, when now, hold on. Are you saying that every single law of our country that, um, you know, is, is perfect and should not be challenged? No, what I'm telling you is if the, any law here is not in line with God's kingdom and God's law, we as the church need to stand up and speak up and advocate, not hurt the people who are here, but rather say, hey, that is not in alignment with God's kingdom. That's the beauty of what we have, church, is that we're in this moment in history to be able to um, change our laws and to inform them. You know, I I have conversations uh, with, with friends who come from, especially Latin America, 
most of them have stories that you're just like, wow. And they're in like really tough predicaments. Some of them have actually left their countries, not because they just want to come and overtake another country, but rather because of need, because of persecution, because of, you know, sometimes famine, natural, natural disasters. They find themselves saying, this is, my, this is what I need to do at least, somehow get in, somehow seek refuge. I think as the church, we have an opportunity to be empathetic. We talked about this last week, where we can, yes, continue to honor our, our laws, but then also love the immigrant, love the sojourner, and be God's agent and ambassador in this time. Don't fall prey, church, for that which, uh, you know, kind of puts those two ideas and juxtaposes them, but rather that we see that this is actually part of a bigger conversation, that immigration is the movement of people, and guess who's behind many of the movements that we've seen not only in, in history, but also we've seen in our history has been God himself. So with that, I think it's important that we, we, we talk and we treat all immigrants with kindness and justice. Remember, I started with Micah 6, 8. I believe that is a way in which we can be ambassadors of the kingdom today. As we can see, um, the views can divide us, but we can be united. And so I'm about, I'm about to make kind of, a, uh, kind of a hard right turn, so tune in with me, okay? Remember I told you about international persecution, and international persecution is actually another facet of immigration. Because you see, when we read God's word, we see that God uses persecution. God used persecution to move people and to fulfill his kingdom ways. We look at Hebrews, verses, uh, Hebrews 13, verses 3, it says, remember those, that, remember those who are in prison and those in prison with, with them, and those who are mistreated since you are also in the body. I thought it, was, it would be important to note that a percentage of those who are at our borders today are actually fleeing political, I'm um, sorry, religious persecution, some political too, but religious persecution. Some are, are in a very tough predicaments. And so I just think it's, it's important that we zoom out and not just zone in on those two facets, but rather look at this as a more holistic conversation and let's be encouraged by our brothers and sisters who will never make it to our borders who will give their life to stand uncompromised, who will give their life and shed their blood for the sake of seeing God's kingdom move forward. And so I asked my friend, Tom Doyle, with Uncharted Ministries to come and to, and to join us and to kind of give us a glimpse of what God is doing all over the world. Because as we think about immigration, we need to know God's heart, but we also need to know what is it that God is doing globally? What is his movement and let's just, let's just learn from that. So Tom is a good friend. How you doing, Tom? Hey, good to see you, brother. Um, so Tom and I actually had an opportunity to serve together That's in right. a local nonprofit. Um, and so Tom, you want to tell me a little bit about kind of what you focus on? I know, I don't want to sell you short, but I think you do so many great oh, things. Gosh. I mean, he goes into some of the closed countries, unreached people groups. What other stuff do you get to do? Yeah, so we, we uh, stand with the persecuted mm. also, and we are privileged to write books and do videos with I Found the Truth, uh, former Muslims that have come to faith in Christ, and their stories are thrilling. Mm. I mean, their commitment level 
is way up here. So we're church planters. We work all throughout the Middle East, and we get to see what God's doing. And it's pretty amazing these yeah. days. It's like uh, my wife Joanna and I have worked in the Middle East for over 20 years, and Paul said in Colossians, all over the world, the gospel is bearing fruit just like it did among you. Mm. So it's so easy here to think about our country, but what's happening in the other countries? What's happening in the dangerous areas? Yeah. And right now, it'd be hard to believe, you never hear this on the news, the fastest growing church per capita in the world, the region, is the Middle East. Mm -hmm. And this is where you can get persecuted. This is where you can lose your life um, if you come to faith in Christ and reject Islam. And so um, the good news is this. More Muslims have come to faith in Christ in the last 10 years than in the last 1,400 years of Islam. Can you believe that? 10 years, 1,400 years. God is moving. It's like he's running a special on Muslims. They're open. The gospel's surging wherever we go. Yes. <laughs> well, so what are the top three countries that you know, like, where, did you say, you said it's Iran. Iran, But yeah. then we also have Libya as well. Libya is a dangerous country. North Korea. So tell them that, tell them that story. From of, Iran? Tell them, yeah, from Iran. Okay. And then I want you to then go into that story of that okay. lady in Libya. Yeah, so we were privileged to smuggle Bibles into Iran, and we had 500 Bibles and um, three of us going in, and, and when you go in, they, you know, you're Americans, they question you a couple of hours, then they, you have to put your bags on the scanner, and that would be when you pray, you know, because 500 Bibles, <laughs> we've had like one change of clothes, all Bibles, and so they're on the scanner, and there's a soldier here, and there's a big screen TV, and man, it, it is invasive, it can see everything, mm. and so we're up next, every single bag has been opened in front of us, mm. so... I get up there, I said to the guy, he speaks English, hey, should I put my backpack up here? And he said, no, that's okay, you can carry it. And he says, you're from America? I said, yeah. And he goes, what in the world are you doing here? I thought that was unusual, you know, <laughs> unusual greeting. He said, our countries hate each other. And I said, well, you know, we love the Iranians, want to come here, meet people, see the sights and that. And this guy just takes off. He starts talking. He is so excited to talk to an American. He's not looking at the bags. And I kind of notice the screen, and there's the rows and the stacks. And he's not looking. And he says to me, I want to go to California. I have a cousin in Los Angeles. California? He said, there's 250,000 Iranians in oh. L.A. They call it Terangelus. And <laughs> I want to go to Disneyland. And then finally he says, hey, Mr. Doyle, I have a question for you. I have a question. And I thought, oh, this is where it gets bad. And he goes, have you ever had an In-N-Out burger? Wow. And I said, man, they're great. And he goes, I want to do that. Let's, let's do it sometime. Yeah, you know, he gives me a fist pump. And then he looks, oh, your bags are gone. Uh, welcome to Iran. And we get in, every wow. one of them gets in the very next bag. All right, open it up, buddy. But immediately, we're meeting with the Underground Church, and we just happen to be covertly handing out some Bibles in Tehran, uh, carefully, and all of a sudden a guy came up to me and said, I need you to come to my house. I have to talk mm -hmm. to you. And I said, whoa, okay, um, okay. And he said, my wife and I need to talk to you. So we went, and I didn't realize it was not an appointment, it was a dinner, and they had kebabs, and he had, the cousins came. There were 29 of them, and so this is a meeting, I guess. <laughs> I thought it was just talking, and we eat, and all the hospitality and he just sets a chair in front of me, and he says, I got to ask you, I saw you giving out a Bible. Tell me about Jesus. 
And I said, wow, you want to know about Jesus? I need to know about Jesus. And I said, can I ask why? And he said, because he's been coming to me in dreams every night. And he tells me he loves me. Yeah. So we shared. And man, this guy had questions. And he'd been dealing with this for a while. And a couple hours go by. And he just says this. He's the patriarch of the family. I'm ready to follow Jesus. Anybody in the family want to go with me? It's kind of like the Godfather. You don't say no. You know, they all, <laughs> they all raise their hand. I don't know. Is it, did they all pray to receive Christ? I know he did. But I get home, and the brother, his sons are emailing us and saying, we can't believe what Jesus did to our dad. And, every, and they have two sisters, but they don't always get the language right, you know, the transliteration. And so one of the sons says, my sisters are hot for Jesus, you know? <laughs> But we knew what they meant, yeah, right? Sure. Now, on fire for Jesus. Here's yes. the amazing, amazing thing. He was a publisher. He published books. He was charged with publishing Ahmadinejad's book, Whoa. The Leader of Iran, right under the Ayatollah. Within the first month of knowing Christ, he called in and told them, I respectfully decline. I can't publish this book. Wow. When he told us he was going to do that, we said, they will kill you. And he said, but Tom, Jesus wouldn't want me to publish this book, would he? Well, no. Well, that's the answer then. Mm. He's still alive today. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Amen. Man, you just never, yes. I'll just say, you just never know, you know, those verses under the in and out cups, you know? That's right. Pray, you know? That's right. When you read those. Love it. Woo. Anyway, so tell me the story about the, tell us, I want you to share it. By the way, I, we could sit here with Tom, and he has so many stories. He's written several books about that, so go go see some of his books, but Tell them the story about the lady in Libya. Ooh, I just yeah. think that is, man, what an example of an uncompromised yeah. believer. So Miriam is a, um, a woman that is Muslim. Her family is very fanatical, and she comes to faith in Christ. Some people mm. share with her a lot of things going on. She reads the Word of God. She's convinced. Some of our leaders are working with her, discipling her. She's uh, now in Syria, but her brother is in the Islamic State in mm -hmm. Libya, and he's high up, he's high ranking, they're still around, and so she comes to faith on Christ, she's just lit up, and she calls him on the phone, the first person to tell that she's found Jesus is her brother, I would think you would avoid that conversation yeah, for seriously. a while, she calls him and tells him, I found Jesus, tells the story, and he says, I will get on a plane and come and kill you, I'm coming to Syria to do it, and she said, well, you can do that, but you're still going to need Jesus. He died for your sins. And it ended up that week, they're having an open baptism in the Mediterranean Sea. And they thought, is Miriam going to show up? I mean, her brother's looking for her. He's here. Yeah. And not only did she show up, she brought seven women, all former Muslims, that she'd led to Christ already in her first few weeks of being a believer. And they were gloriously baptized mm. in the Mediterranean. She's still alive. Jesus is protecting her, but she's willing to die for him. Wow. Amen. I mean, and that's, yes, mm. praise be to God on that. And again, these are, these are contexts, right, where because you are a follower of Jesus, you will be persecuted. That's right. And in essence, that is what they, uh, this is what I say they, because when I've sat down in front of people who have been in that predicament, they say, man, it's a blessing to suffer for Jesus. That's right. And do we see it that way? And what an opportunity we have. So, Tom, I know we talk about things that are going on in the Middle East, but what's happening here in our yeah. city, in our backyard? Yeah. 
I mean, there's people say it's persecution coming to America. It's already here. There's former Muslims that have been killed by their families in four states in America. Uh, mm -hmm. Look at the rhetoric that is on the news, not on the conservative stations, but we are seeing that first, when it comes to persecution, there is accusation. And look what Christians are being accused of. We're, we're the ones that are holding up things, and we're a problem, and this and that. So there's accusation, then there's persecution. I believe it's coming. But we're the church, and we're blessed to be living. This is the greatest century to be living outside of the first century with Jesus and the apostles, because more people are coming to faith in Christ. Yet, what do you do with people that come through immigration? There was a uh, church up in the Northwest, and there were a group coming from Syria. So they were Muslims. They're coming from Syria. They're immigrants. And there was a pastor in a church in this one city that stood up and preached and said, we don't want them in our city. We don't want them. We're not going to let them in. And my first thought is, what about the gospel? <laughs> Jesus has brought them here. Well, there was another church in the city, and they decided to be different. You know what they did? They found out from the city when the planes were coming in with the immigrants from Syria. And they showed up at the airport, and they had cardboard signs in the Arabic, and they said, welcome to our city. We're glad you're here. We're your friends, and we love Jesus. Yes. And they embraced them and welcomed them to the city. It didn't stop there. You know what they did in the summer? They did a Muslim vacation Bible school. They invited them to let their kids come. And they said, hey, we want your kids to come. We'll teach them. We'll have fun. We'll play games. We'll do crafts. We'll tell them about Jesus. Mm, they're not so sure. And we'll take your kids Monday through Friday. What day is that, Star? You know, what, when, <laughs> what week is that, right? And they were open. And they just loved these. Some of them have come to faith in Christ. So why do I say that? Because Texas has more Muslims living in the state than any other state in the union. They're here. So what are we going to do? Ignore them? Like we say in our ministry, the Muslims are coming, the Muslims are coming, the Muslims are here. Yeah. So let's go get them, church. Yeah. They want to know the truth. Amen. Tom, thank you so much. Give me, give them a, help me give them a hand. Thanks, thank you, brother. So I believe that this can be our church's finest hour. It could be our country's finest hour when we adopt God's perspective of what's going on around us. I'd have to say that uh, you know, with, we had Afghan refugees resettling here, and there are many of you watermark families who have stood up and have said, we want to welcome them. And there are several families that have gotten together, community groups, that have said, hey, we're going to furnish their, their, their apartments because they're starting from scratch. In you, church, I have seen you be the hands and feet of Jesus. May we all join in and see what God is seeing because it could be that what we think is a crisis at our border could be a blessing in disguise. And that's what we have as believers to know that our best gift that we can give any immigrant or to anybody in this world is a relationship through Jesus Christ, right? Like we, that's the best thing we can give to anyone that's around us. And so I, I wanna end by just saying and reading to you Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20. Because as we kind of end our uncompromised series, I believe we've been challenged, we've been encouraged to stand firm in the faith, to persevere, to 
tell the truth, but yet do it with grace and love. We have an opportunity, church, to be the difference. And the revival that we all desire starts with us. And so when we obtain God's perspective, we realize we're all immigrants. We're all in God's caravan on our way to our homeland. And so Matthew 28 is Jesus talking to his disciples and giving them a charge and saying, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So church, that is our charge and that is our mission. God is on the move and we are part of that kingdom expansion. May we see it come to pass in our country as we are the voice for the voiceless, as we stand with eyes of mercy and love and see what Jesus is seeing and we go forward in that as our identity. So I'm gonna give you five different ways you can get involved right now. And the first one is actually got three under them because it's about going somewhere. And the first place that I think you should go is right across the street somewhere where you probably have never gone to before. Perhaps in your neighborhood. Perhaps it's that restaurant that you've, you've seen from afar. Perhaps has even a different language on the top of it. I encourage you to trust Jesus and to go into that place and be the light. Because it could be that God could use you by just your smile and your love to do some amazing things. So we have an opportunity to, li- to love immigrants with empathy, guidance, and patience. The second one is get involved with one of our ministries that is reaching out to college campuses. For example, YSI, Watermark International Student Initiative. You can disciple and be a part and make friendships with international students that are here just for a brief time. Or another ministry partner called For the Nations, which they are the the ministry that are helping a lot of refugees that are resettling here and are mobilizing our church, and we thank God for their life. But perhaps God is calling you to go overseas. You see, God many times just desires for us to just surrender everything, and he may use us and take us out of our geography and make us immigrants somewhere else to fulfill his purpose. So perhaps God is calling you to go overseas. And if that is you, like if you want to be on mission at a place outside of our country and God has been tugging at your heart to do that, I'm going to encourage you to go to email globaltrack at watermark.org. And that word track means trained, ready, able, and confirmed. And so if if that is you and God's been tugging in your heart to do that, it could be that you um, may be deployed through that and we have a whole ministry that's dedicated to that. Another one is uh, compassion. It's the, the kids that we get a chance to sponsor um, through uh, compassion, our ministry partner. So if you're interested in discipling from afar, go to watermark.org forward slash compassion to get, have more information. And there you can disciple a child, get to learn their context, and see how you can encourage them in their walk with Christ. Now, a Bible drive is coming uh, for our Christmas push We're going to have a Bible. You heard Tom, how they take in Bibles into these closed countries. We'll be able to do that and kind of partake of that and be a part of God's story in doing that. And that'll be our push. And so you can actually have more, you get more information at watermark.org forward slash news for that. The other one is pray for the nations. Don't forget those who are persecuted. Remember your family who may never come to our borders. Remember that they are also on mission. And they have been also called to be the light in the midst of darkness. 
And so, as I told you at the beginning, there's no way I could cover all points, but I pray that these five principles that we studied today are, are good for conversation starter. Now I'm gonna end with this. You see, my wife, as you'll see up here, my wife um, is beautiful. I love her. Um, and what's been really neat to know about her is her family heritage. She has uh, relatives in past generations, 1600s, before we were, we were even a country. There were Puritans that came here. They were fleeing persecution. Do you remember uh, knowing that? I was like, wow, isn't that amazing? In the 1800s, she had more family come from Scandinavia, from Sweden, and also migrated here because they were at the point of starvation, and they came here. And it's so crazy to see how God uses those stories of people on the move to fulfill his purpose. And the fact that we're together and we're able to talk about that, isn't that crazy how God moves people and here we are at this moment? And so we're about to step into a national holiday that is actually celebrating that story of pilgrims coming to our country, to this land. So what an opportunity we get to be grateful for the time that we're in to not grow discouraged, but to say, let's go church. It is our time to stand up. It is our time to see God at work as we become the hands and feet of Jesus. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for this time together. Thank you for who you are. Thank you because you have us at this moment, at this time, for such a time as this. Holy Spirit, empower us, guide us, and show us the way what you would want us to accomplish, not only in this season of our life, but also in this point in history of our life. May we do your perfect will and represent your kingdom well, God. In Jesus' name, amen.